edit something for him. And after I'd finished editing, I handed it back to him. And he looked at it and he said, hmm, that's interesting. And then he never, ever, ever asked me to edit anything again. And those that are here regularly and look at the bulletin and find the errors and notice that things aren't always right in the songs, you know why. I am not an editor. I see what I think should be there far more often than what's actually there. Let me ask you, what comes to your mind when you think about the word evangelism? I mean, when you think about evangelism, does, do you kind of get a little scared? I mean, does just the idea of going out and sharing the gospel with someone scare you? If it does, you're not alone. The thought of doing personal evangelism, it scares most Christians. The thought of confronting someone about their spiritual condition can send shivers up our spine and cause a sickness to form in the pit of our stomach. I remember years ago when I first started doing visitation with the Fort Gibson Free Will Baptist Church, and many times I, I would knock on the door and secretly hope no one would answer so that I could leave the information about the church and then go on without having to talk to them. I mean, I wanted them to come back to the church, and if they were lost, I wanted them to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But I was just terrified to speak to them about Jesus and their need for the salvation that He died to provide. I think a lot of us are that way. I mean, we can be very good conversationalists. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about their cars, favorite sports team. We can talk about anything else but the need for Jesus. And I wonder, what is it that makes us as Christians so afraid to talk to others about Jesus? And I read something years ago. And it said, it gave some of the most common reasons that we are afraid of sharing the gospel with others. One is that we're afraid... Um, that we don't know enough. We aren't confident in our knowledge. And I think that's probably a legitimate fear. And that probably is one of the most common fears. What if they ask a question I can't answer? Uh, because, I mean, we all can think of passages in the Bible. We look at those and we don't really know what that means. And, and what if they bring that up? What if they ask a question I don't know? Uh, and it, again, it's a valid concern because a working knowledge of the Bible is important for being able to, to share the gospel with others. I mean, we don't have to know everything. But I think we, we ought to be able to know, explain a couple of verses and explain to people what they need to do to be saved and why they need Jesus as their Savior. And so fear uh, being uh, not having enough knowledge is, is an answer. One is we fear rejection. right? I mean, what are they going to say? I mean, if we, if we knew, I'm going to go talk to this person about Jesus and they're going to, oh man, that's exactly what I need. Would you help me to come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior? We'd do it every time. But just life teaches us that not everybody's going to respond that way. Some people are going to push back. Some people are going to reject. And we fear the rejection that comes from that. And I think mostly what we fear, though, is we fear something that really isn't going to happen. Not that everyone's going to be saved when we talk to them about Jesus. But our fear isn't the people that say, well, thank you for talking to me, but I just don't think that I need that right now in my life. We're afraid of the people that are going to get angry and almost violent with us about it. And I read a book years ago uh, from a guy named Tom Rainer, and it was called Surprising Insights from the Unchurched. And he classified people who don't know Jesus in, in four categories. And one category was people who were very receptive to the gospel. These are people, really, that, that we probably know and that know us, and they know something's wrong in their life, and they, they think it's probably Jesus. But they're afraid to ask you. They're afraid to, to come to church on their own. But if you were to ask them to come to church, they would come. If you were to talk to them, they would likely turn to Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that was one end. On the other end were people that were very antagonistic towards the gospel. They were not only not receptive, but they were the people that would get angry at you. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than me? Something like that. And as he talked to people all across the country... What he found was that those who were the, on the far end of the scale, who were very unlikely to not only receive Christ, but likely to be 
angry about you talking to them, that it was very, very few. I mean, I know I don't share the gospel as much as I should, but in all the years I have been trying to talk to people about Jesus, whether I've even just gone cold knocking on doors or talked to people I know, I have only ever found one person who was, I would say, less than friendly. He wasn't hostile, but he wasn't appreciative in any way whatsoever. Um, And he told me to leave. But that was that's it. One person in all the years I've been trying to talk to people about Jesus. Chances are what we are afraid of with rejection is not likely to happen. I think overall our our biggest fear in evangelism, it is comes because we forget what God does through our efforts. But I mean, we tend to mistake and we think that evangelism is about, well, how confident I am in their not in my knowledge. But it's about me being able to answer all the questions and say everything in an eloquent way. Me being able to handle their rejection in a way that still commends Christ to them. We think that it's all about how we can do it and what we can accomplish. And we forget what God does through our efforts. And when we think it's all about us trying to save the lost, well, that's a burden. I mean, that's a weight. And that is a weight we are not meant to bear. Because there is something mighty that God does as we begin to share the gospel and we begin to talk to people about Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at a passage that will remind us of God's work in evangelism so that we can be confident sharing the gospel with others. Open your Bible to John chapter 6 verse 37. That is page 814 in your pew Bibles. And when you find that I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's word. John six thirty seven. Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven to do, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of my Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, that I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. The title of the message is Confidence in Evangelism. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, you are great and awesome and wonderful. Father, you are good to us, and you have given us so much. And Lord, deep in our hearts, we want to be faithful in, in leading others to Christ. We want to help people come to know you. Father, I just can't imagine anyone who genuinely knows you doesn't want others to know you. And Lord, there are fears that we have, things that, that make us worry about it. And, and these fears are often legitimate, things that we really don't think we know enough. We really are afraid of rejection. Lord, and all of these other things are going on. We have forgotten about your power and we have forgotten about what you do. And so God, today as we look at this passage of Scripture... Show us your work in evangelism. Show us how you work in us and through us and for us as we talk to others about Jesus. Father, give us confidence to go out and to to not only live a life that commends Christ to others, but, Father, that we would have the courage to talk to others about Jesus and that we would see souls saved and lives changed, that we would see you work through us and do amazing things in the hearts and the minds and the lives of others. God, we want you so badly to work in our lives. We want you so badly to reach our loved ones, to, to save those that we, that we know and that we care for that do not know you. God, use us to reach out to them. Use us, Father, to save them. We want so much to be vessels of honor that you use for your glory. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit and give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech as I share the message you've laid on my heart. Help me not to be a hindrance in any way, but Father, just let it be your words that we hear and your 
just be glorified through all that happens. We love you. We praise you. We want your will to be done in our lives. We ask all of this in the great name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. In verse 36, Jesus has ended teaching them about him being the bread of life and all that he can do for them. And he tells them they are going to miss it because... Uh, I say to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Right? They, they're going to miss out on all that Jesus offers them and all that Jesus wants to give to them because they do not believe in him. And, and this is, to me, an amazing thing. right? Because Jesus has not only just talked to them, he has done a great miracle. He has multiplied the loaves and the fishes in a way that was nothing short of a, a great miracle and a great work of God. Despite seeing what Jesus had done, they still did not believe him. And to me, I think this can be one of those things that's discouraging for us in our seeking to share the gospel with others. Right? Because here's Jesus talking to people about himself. Right? Jesus who is perfect in every way. Right? So he had all the answers. He, he knew how they were going to respond. There was no fear of rejection. There was no lack of certainty that he had the right answers. He, he spoke in an eloquent way. I mean, everything he did was the right way to do it. And yet... Many of those who listened to him and saw what he did, they still did not believe him. So we look at that and what we say is, if they didn't believe Jesus as he told them about himself, how are they going to believe me when I try to tell them about Jesus? If they rejected Jesus' offer and Jesus' invitation to come to himself and be saved, how are they going to respond in a positive manner to my invitation for them to come to Jesus and be saved. And that's what Jesus begins to talk about in these next few verses. And what he's doing is he's talking about what God does as someone begins to share the gospel. He's talking about what God does through the message to help people come to know Jesus Christ. And so the main thought that we've got to know is that God's work through evangelism gives me confidence in evangelism. Right? I mean, as we go out and we begin to talk to people about Jesus, it's not just us. Going out. We aren't going in our strength and in our power and our eloquence and in our wisdom. We are going in the power of God. He has promised that as we go, that He will empower us to be His witnesses everywhere in life. And so God does something as we begin to tell others about Jesus, to draw them, to help them come to know Jesus Christ. In this passage, I think it shows us three things that God does, three ways that God works through our efforts in evangelism and how these things should give us confidence in evangelism. Number one is that God calls people to Jesus. God calls people to Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. What does that mean? Well, the essence of what Jesus is saying there is that God initiates contact. Right? It's, it's God that works to bring people to Jesus. Right? Everything about salvation, it is all God's idea. It is never in the mind of man, I need to be saved and I need Jesus. It is always God reaching out and initiating contact with people to draw them to Jesus. Let me show you this from another passage. Paul writes to the, the Thessalonians, and I love this. He said, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. Right now, just think about that. God chose them for salvation. The Thessalonians were some of the very first people to hear the gospel, first Gentiles, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. But 
Paul going to them and telling them about Jesus, it wasn't just a coincidence. It was God at work so that they could be saved. Right? God, God chose for Jesus to come and die on the cross for the sins of the world. God chose that Jesus would rise from the dead and that all who believed in him would be saved. It was all God's idea. God chose for Paul to go to Thessalonica. God sent him there so that he could go and preach the gospel to them that they might be saved. And as Paul went and preached, notice what it says. He called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. But God chose to save them. And he did it to their belief in the truth. And so he called them through the gospel. Right When Paul went to Thessalonica, he was talking to people that were as far away from God as you could possibly be. And he began to tell them about Jesus. And he began to tell them that it was all God's idea. That it was God's idea for Jesus to come down. That it was God's idea for Jesus to live a sinless life. It was God's idea for Jesus to die on the cross to rise from the dead. And it was God's idea... For them to believe in God, to repent of their sins, believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. But as Paul talked to them and as Paul began to share with them who Jesus was and what Jesus had done, God began to actively work through that preaching and through the presentation of the truth to work in their hearts and draw them to Jesus. Look at what Jesus said in John 6 and 44. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up the last day. You see, everything about the Thessalonians being saved was all God's idea. Even their interest in what Paul was saying and their response to Paul. It was God at work in them. And what was true for the Thessalonians, well, it was true for you and I as well. Right? There, there came a day in our life where we realized we needed Jesus Christ. We may have been far from the Lord and never set foot in church before, but one day began to think, you know what, there's something missing in my life. And I, I need to know what it is. Maybe it is church. Maybe it is what they do at church. And so I'm going to go. And then as we came, the Holy Spirit began to work in our lives. And we began to see we do need Jesus. We do need salvation. We do need what Christ offers and what they're talking about. But that wasn't our idea. That was God working in each and every one of us, drawing us to himself. He was calling us to come to Jesus. And this is this is what God does in our lives. He works through those who are sharing the gospel to make us realize our need for Jesus. And then he begins to draw us and call us to him. I mean, there is nothing about our salvation that was our idea. Think about this. Let me show you some things that God called us to and that God shows the way God initiated contact. God chose to open your heart so that you could understand the gospel. How many of us in here, gosh, this is killing me. How many of us in here would say, I heard the gospel once and immediately believed it and got saved? Raise your hand. Not many. How many of us in here had to hear it several times before we believed it and got saved? Now, what made the difference? What what happened? I mean, because I, I would almost say that there are probably some here. The first time you heard it, you thought that doesn't even make sense. There's no way I'm 
No, that's not real. What what changed so that we went from saying, no, I, I can't see how that's real to that's absolutely what I need in my life. God opened our heart so that we could understand it, not understand it in words, but understand our our very real need for it. God chose to convict you of your sin, your lack of righteousness, the judgment to come. How many of us? But say, so, well, you know, there's a time in my life where sin didn't bother me. In fact, all sin did was just make me happy, right? I just, I enjoyed it. But then there, there came, I wasn't ashamed of it, I wasn't bothered by it. But then one day something changed and suddenly I was bothered by the sin in my life. But it, 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 it was something I knew wasn't right. And before that day, not only did I, I mean, I felt no guilt over my sin. I felt I was fine. And if there's a God and if there's a heaven, I'm sure I'm going there because I'm a pretty good old boy. But on the day that my sin began to bother me, I began to realize maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe, maybe I am far from God. Maybe I am a sinner. And up until this point, we weren't concerned about dying. We die. We're probably going to heaven. But on that day, we began to realize, you know what? If I die like I am, I'm not going to go to heaven. God isn't going to just accept me because I'm a good old boy, because, because I'm not. What happened? How did I go from being okay with my sin to being bothered with my sin? How did I go from thinking I was okay to knowing I was not okay? God worked in my life and he convicted me of my sin. He showed me that truly I had sinned. Truly I had no righteousness. And truly I would face God in judgment. God chose to draw you to Jesus. Right, just There are a lot of people in the world who don't like their sin and who feel condemned and unworthy. But a lot of people just try to fix it on their own. Right, a lot of people just try to be a better person. They're just going to turn over a new leaf. They're going to be a better spouse. They're going to quit doing this and they're going to start doing that. What made a difference in us? Why did we not try to fix it ourselves and why did we go to Jesus to fix it? Because God began to deal in our hearts and he showed us that Jesus is what we needed. God chose to grant you repentance unto life. Not only did we see our sin as a problem, but we regretted that sin. We, we wished we had not have done it. it. It grieved our hearts that we had sinned and we had done those things. And, and it wasn't just I feel bad. It was more... I don't want to do this anymore. I really want to be different. Why did I feel that way about my sin when I hadn't before? Because God reached out to me. And God granted me repentance that led to faith in Jesus Christ. And then, when I responded in faith, and I turned to Jesus and said, You are who I need and please save me. God chose to save you. And God chose to adopt you. And God chose to make you a new creation. See, all of that was what God did. Right? God saved you. Even your decision of faith didn't save you. God saved you. Right? You're not a, a child of God because you're a good person. You're a child of God because God chose to adopt you. You're different today. Because God changed you and he made you into something entirely different. 
salvation is always from God. Right? And so everything about our salvation and everything about our sanctification, it began with God. God worked through somebody talking to us about Jesus. And he made us aware of our need for Jesus. And he brought us to the place where we would call out to Jesus. And then he changed us when we believed in Jesus. Well, what God did in us, he will do in others. What God did when we heard the gospel, he will do as we share the gospel. God is the one who calls people to salvation. God is the one who makes the difference in someone's life. And so we can go out and confidently share the gospel knowing that as I talk to them about Jesus, it's not about how, how eloquent I am, how knowledgeable I am, how good I am. It is about God and what he will do through me as I tell them about Jesus. God calls people to Jesus as we tell them about Jesus. Secondly, Jesus saves all who believe. Jesus saves all who believe. Look at what Jesus goes on to say. He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. What he's saying is this. As God calls people to me, some are going to come. They're They're going to come to me. And not one person that comes to me needing salvation... Not one person that comes to me in response to God's call is going to be turned away. Jesus said, I will, I will receive every single person who comes to me. He says in verse 40 that this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son of Man and believes in him may have everlasting life. So every person who responds to God's call to come to Jesus and comes to Jesus. Every single one of them will be received by Jesus. Every single one of them will be given everlasting life by Jesus. Every single one of them will be saved by Jesus. I mean, that's great stuff. We can be confident in our talking to people about Jesus because it doesn't matter where they've been or what they've done, they they will be accepted if they will but come to Jesus. Right? If they will believe in Jesus, He will save them. Now what does it mean, though, to say that we believe in Jesus? Is, is believing in Jesus just saying that I believe that Jesus existed? Right? Well, I believe there was a guy named Jesus. I, I think that's probably true. Did some good things, made the wrong people mad, and he died. I, therefore, I believe in Jesus. Is that enough? Is is believing in Jesus saying that I believe certain doctrinal truths about Jesus to be true. Right? I believe that he was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, died on the cross and rose again. Is, is that what it means to believe in Jesus? I would say both of these are certainly a part of what it means to believe in Jesus. But it's more than that. To believe in Jesus means that I trust in what he did on the cross as my only source of righteousness and my only hope for salvation. See, to believe in Jesus, it is more than to say Jesus existed. It is more to say that that he is who the Bible says he is. It is to, to say, I will go to heaven only because of Jesus. You know, one of the evangelism books that teaches you to ask people, 
that if you were to stand before God and he were to ask you why he should allow you into his heaven, what would your answer be? The person who believes in Jesus says, because I believe in Jesus. Not because I went to church. Not because I was baptized. Not because I was a good person. God should let me in because I believed in what Jesus did for me on the cross. Let me ask you, do you really believe that? I mean, why, why will you go to heaven? Is it because you've been a good spouse or a good employee or a basically moral person? Is it because you go to church or a member of a church or have been baptized in a church? Or is it solely, completely based upon nothing else than who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you? But if you cannot say, I will only go to heaven because of Jesus, you have not truly believed in Jesus. And that's a, that's a problem for a lot of us. Because we're a proud people. We like to fix it ourselves. We like stories about people who turn their lives around and pull themselves up by their bootstraps and make it. But the story of a person being saved by Jesus is not that of a person who fixes themselves and because of themselves and their goodness and God's help along the way, they make it. Now, the story of the Christian is of a person who could not pull themselves up by their bootstraps, a person who could not fix the problems in their life, who simply depended upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And he fixed them. And he saved them. He delivered them. And he changed them. Faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus, is saying that is the only hope I have. Now, why is Jesus so important? Why does it have to be all about Jesus? Why can't I help in my own salvation? Why can't it be me and Jesus? Why can't I just turn myself around? Why is salvation faith alone, grace alone through faith alone, and Jesus alone? It's because of who he is and what he did. See, Jesus isn't just a guy who taught some good things and made the wrong people mad and did some pretty cool tricks. Jesus was and is the Son of God, the Christ who was to come into the world, the Savior of man. And when he came into the world, he, he was born like we are and yet without a sinful nature. And he, he lived a perfect life. He, he did everything God wanted him to do. He, he, he kept the law perfectly, the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. And despite all the good that Jesus had done, he was rejected by the majority of the world. He was betrayed by one of his own disciples. He was abandoned by his own on the night that he needed them. And he was taken and given a, a trial in what we would call a kangaroo court. And he was convicted of crimes he did not commit. And he was then taken up onto a hill. And he was nailed to a cross. And he was lifted up from the earth. Where over a period of time, he suffered. And he bled. And he suffocated. And he died. But his death wasn't a surprise. In fact, his death was the whole reason he came. He didn't just come to teach some nice things. He didn't just come to be a good example. He came to be a sacrifice for the sins of man. The death on the cross was the whole reason he came. Because as he was on the cross, all of God's wrath against all of our sin was poured out upon Jesus right there. 
And where the Bible says the wages of sin is death, Jesus took the wages that your sin and mine deserved. And after taking all of the wrath of God against all of our sin, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he arose and he left victoriously out of the tomb. And in doing so, he defeated death, he paid the penalty for sins. And that's why Jesus is necessary for salvation. That's why everything rises and falls on faith in Jesus. Because if we have sinned even once, we can't undo that. And we can't overcome that. The only hope there is against the sins that we have committed is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It is essential that we believe in Jesus. He is the only hope that there is. And we only come to Him through faith. Look at what the Bible says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works. Just anyone should boast. Salvation is, is all of grace. All of faith in Jesus. We never earn our salvation. We never fix it ourselves. The only way anyone receives eternal life, the only way anyone is ever born again or made new, is when we we turn from our sins and we believe in Jesus. And for us to be saved, that's what we have to do. We have to come to the place where we're at the end of ourselves and we say, I can't do it. I can't fix it. I just need Jesus. And we let go of our sin and we let go of our self-righteousness and we cling to the cross and we just say, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what we can be assured of is when we come to Jesus in that way, we will be saved. Every one of us that's here today, if you're genuinely saved, there was a point in your life where that's exactly what you did. You came to the end of yourself and you knew that you needed Jesus and you believed in him and you called on him and he saved you. And the great thing about evangelism is that what Jesus did for us, he will do for others. He will save every single person who comes to him through faith. So as we go out and we talk to people about Jesus, what we're doing is important. Because it doesn't matter the life that they've lived. It doesn't matter the sin they're involved in. It doesn't matter the religion they're currently a part of. If they will turn from that sin and they will turn to Jesus and they will call upon him and they will believe in him, he will save them. As you go out and as we talk to people, there is a certainty Jesus absolutely will save them. There is no doubt. There is no question. We never have to wonder, is this a person for whom Christ died? They are. And if they will come to Jesus, they will Be saved by Jesus. Knowing that He will save them. Well, that gives us confidence. 
and evangelism. And then the final reason we can be confident is that all who believe in Jesus will be with Jesus. Jesus says in verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me. That all he has given me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up at the last day. This is the will of him who sent me. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him, who believes in him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise them up on the last day. I like that. I came down not to do what I want, but to do the Father's will. And here's the Father's will. Those he calls and those who come to me and I save, I'll raise them up in the last day. In other words, he'll take them. He'll keep them. He'll make sure they, they get to heaven when the end of time comes. This is, again, a fabulous thing. Because Jesus, later he's going to say this. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. That were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. The disciples were troubled. Jesus had told them he was getting ready to leave. Somebody was getting ready to betray him. They were all about to run away from him. And Jesus comforts them by saying, I'm not abandoning you. Right? going to leave for a while, but there's going to come a time where I'm going to come back and get you, and I'm going to take you to be where I am. I mean, as believers, isn't that our hope? I mean, don't we we hope in the fact that someday this world is going to end and we're going to get to be with Jesus? Don't we hope in the concept, the idea that, that there is a place better than this? Because following Jesus at times is hard, isn't it? We have to make sacrifices. We have to choose not to do things we want to do and choose to do things we may not want to do. But we do it confident that what God will give us then is better than anything we're giving up now. Any discomfort of this life is nothing compared to the glory of the life that's to come. That's our hope. That's what we live for. We long for. We know this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And we're, we're not necessarily saying, you know what, I'm going to make it because of how good I am. Jesus is going to keep me. And Jesus is not going to abandon me. And the Jesus that has saved me is someday going to come and get me and take me to be with Him. I mean, that's my hope. That's what I'm clinging to. Is not that I'm going to be good enough. It's not that I'm going to, to do it all right and so I'm going to earn it and keep it from here. But the Jesus who saved me is the Jesus who will keep me. And it's the Jesus who one day will come back and get me and take me to be with him. It's our hope. It's our confidence. That hope that he has given to us, that is the same hope he will give to others. Because we're going to talk to people who are going to say, I just don't know if I can live a Christian life. I just don't know if I can do it. And so what are we going to tell them? Just try really hard? That's no help. What are we going to say? You can do it. I believe in you. That's no hope. What do we say? If you believe in Jesus, you'll be with Jesus. It's not about how good we can be. It's about how great he already is. It's not about our goodness. It's about His. It's not about our ability. It is about His. 
And so we can tell them, as long as you believe in Jesus, you will someday be with Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You'll struggle. And you'll travail. And you'll win. And you'll lose. But if you believe in Jesus, someday you'll be with Jesus. Be confident in Him. We aren't calling people to change their lives. We aren't calling people to make themselves better. Christianity is not a self-help conference. It is based upon a God who changes lives. It is based upon a Savior who lives. It is based upon one who keeps us through faith. So when they say, I can't, you say, you're right. You can't. But Jesus can. And as long as you cling to Him, and as long as you believe in Him, my dear one, you will someday be with Him. And there is confidence in our evangelism with that. As long as their faith and their hope is in Jesus, they will someday be with Jesus. It's a certainty. It's a guarantee. The will of God is that Jesus would not lose one that comes to Him. Not me. Not you. Not those that we're going to encounter this week. Not any that we ever deal with. If they will believe in Jesus, they will be saved by Jesus and they will someday see Jesus and be with Jesus. Be confident that what we do in sharing the gospel is eternally significant. That what we do in sharing the gospel changes eternal destinies. That is huge. Knowing what God does through our efforts gives us confidence to persevere and to keep on keeping on. Now, if you're here and you're a Christian, you say, well, okay, I understand. I want, I want to do this. Because I can't imagine someone truly knowing Jesus and not wanting others to know Jesus. I mean, not, not to be condemning or harsh. But if you say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't care if others know Jesus... Dear one, check your heart. Be concerned about your own salvation. Because there is no way to know the greatness of Jesus and not want others to know that as well. See, I want to be faithful and I want to help people. What do I do? Well, let me, let me give you three things to do that are kind of next steps to take this week. One, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. I can promise you on the authority of God's word. God wants each and every one of us to talk to people about Jesus. I can guarantee you based upon the world we live in. There are people around us who do not know Jesus. People that we already have a relationship with. So begin to pray for opportunities. Pray that people will. I mean that we can see these things right because. There have to be opportunities that come up. 
pray that conversations that we have with co-workers and loved ones will turn to spiritual things. Right? Pray that, that somehow the conversation can be shifted to Jesus so that we would have an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And then, and then look for opportunities to share the gospel. Have you ever noticed how often we don't see something simply because we aren't looking for it? I mean, we, we begin to look for something. Suddenly we notice them a lot more. You know, driving up and down 412. Those of us that have lived here for a while drive up and down. We don't think about the clusters of trees or anything like that. Because we just, we know they're there and we don't, we go on. But when somebody's coming up here for the first time, and if you tell them, hey, look for a cluster of trees. When you see it, you know, somebody probably planted it because trees aren't natural in this part of the world. Right? There's, there was a homestead there at one time, a windbreak. A lot of my family have come out here and been like, wow, that was neat looking for all of those trees. Now, I don't see them. I don't think about them anymore because I'm not looking for them. But because they were looking for them, they saw them. If we don't look for opportunities, we will likely miss the opportunities. But if we look for ways that the conversations can go to spiritual things, they're there. How was your weekend? Oh, mine was great. How was yours? Oh, it was good. What would you do? I went to church. Did you? Ah, uh, no, not really. Well, and then, boom, there's an opportunity. They're struggling. Boy, I tell you what, I'm really hurting here. I'm hurting there. Well, let me pray for you. But don't just say, I'm going to pray for you and go on. Pray with them right there on the spot. Listen, you'll be surprised at how many opportunities that gives you to talk. Well, why do you think that what you're doing is going to make a difference? Let me tell you about my Jesus. How do you have hope? How do you keep going? Why do you always seem so happy? Let me tell you why. I can guarantee you there are opportunities in all of our lives every week if we just look. And then finally, courageously take the opportunities to share the gospel. You probably don't think about courage when it comes to sharing the gospel. You know, courage is basically just doing the right thing when you're afraid. And so if sharing the gospel, the thought of doing that scares you, then guess what it takes for you to share the gospel? Courage. Courage to do what you know God wants you to do. Courage to do it believing that God works through it and can do something mighty. So when the opportunity comes, you've prayed, God, give me an opportunity. You're looking for the opportunity and there it is. In that split second, in that split second, there's going to be a thought that says, do it later. It's too early on a Monday morning for that. Ah, that's probably not. This probably isn't the real opportunity. Ah, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a pest. Reject those thoughts. And be courageous. Turn the conversation to spiritual things. Tell them about Jesus Christ. And I want to help you with that. And so after service, I'm going to put these out in the foyer, in the table. And it's, it's a, basically a how to share the gospel. It's called Share the Gospel Without Fear. It tells you the principles behind the concept. It tells you verses to use, questions to ask. And, and one of the things I like about it is that it's a, a permission-based evangelism. 
Right? And what I mean is, you ask them some questions and then you ask them this. If what you believe is not true, would you want to know the truth? And if they say no, here's what you do. Okay, thank you very much. You're not trying to force anybody to do anything. It's not confrontational at all. If they say yes, ah, there's your end. And the verses, even with the verses. Read this verse. What does that mean? What do you think that, what do you think that means? You don't argue with them. You don't do anything. What you're doing is you're letting the Bible speak. You're letting God draw. You're letting the Spirit convict. And you're giving them an opportunity to believe and be saved. So pick one of these up on the way out. It'll be on the table in the foyer. Um, it, it is just a fantastic, fantastic little method of, of sharing the gospel. Starting today, begin to pray for opportunities. Begin to look for the opportunities. And when they come, because I believe they will. I promise you, if you pray for opportunities and you look for opportunities, there will be opportunities this week. And courageously step out. Take those opportunities. Let's stand as our musicians come forward.